Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 11.30 a.m. on Never Had So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Friday and welcome to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. We really appreciate you taking the time out to listen. And um, if you want to join the conversation at any point, the number is 516-387-1944. And so it is the weekend before the big battle. And um, we are going to talk also about it is the first Friday, so we always talk about the economy. But first, we are going to share a little spiritual perspective with Mr. Neil Jones. Minister Neil Jones is with Macedonia Missionary Baptist Church in Eatonville, Florida. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm awesome. How are you doing? I'm doing well, and thank you for for coming back. Really appreciate that. So, anyway. Uh, no problem. Um, for having oh, anytime. So get us started. You want to maybe do a blessing over us today? Absolutely. Let's pray. Tell God, our Father, we thank you for this opportunity just to be able to get to Friday morning. God, you've been mm-hmm. gracious to us. You've been to us. You have blessed our families. You have blessed our work. You have blessed us immensely, and we just want to say thank you. Bless everyone who is on this call. Bless everyone who is listening to this show, and let a blessing be with them when they leave this show. In Jesus' name, we pray forever and always. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. So I guess I want to start off with asking, with everything going on right now and how mm-hmm. we've been reacting, to me, one of the things that I thought about when I, I knew I was going to talk with you today is that we seem to not necessarily be leading our youth in the right direction. Uh, we tell them certain things and then we do certain other things. For example, we tell them that, you know, they need to be patient, you know, they've got time to do X, Y, and Z, so just be patient, you know, and, and, and you know, make try to make sound decisions and to live their lives. But at the same time, especially around this time with the elections, we tend to be making some knee-jerk reactions, and we're not setting good examples, in my opinion. Uh, can you give me some insight on that? Absolutely. That is something that is talked about, we talk about uh, weekly. I have with parents who call who are who come with the other side of, I don't, I don't understand how to connect with my, with my child. And I said, well, a lot of us were raised with that mentality from our parents, don't do as I do, but do as I say. For a lot of us growing up, our parents couldn't, they didn't, they couldn't track, or we couldn't track what our parents were actually doing. So we couldn't have any uh, say-so of what was going on. Now, these kids today, they're watching their parents say things, and they're literally paying attention and watching them do something different, and they're speaking up about it. 
And so when it comes to times like this, when parents say or they're advocating for a certain candidate or they're advocating for anything, the child is looking at that parent saying, so why aren't you doing any of this stuff at the house? Like it's a completely different understanding of what a parent is or what a parent is doing in the public and versus at home. And nowadays, I would assume, you, you know, us 80s and 70s babies, we grew up with happening in the house, staying in the house. Not no more. These kids are out here putting their people and themselves on blast. So it creates a different, a different kind of a conversation, a different kind of uh, authority. Authority is shifted in so many different areas. If that makes sense, of what I'm saying, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And, and so what I think is we there may be a lack in terms of the adults in terms of holding ourselves accountable. You know, we just want to do what we want to do when we want to do it, how we want to do it, and and you know we don't think. We don't really take the time to learn that people are watching. Either mm-hmm. we don't pay attention to that or we don't care. And, and then we wonder why our younger people act a certain way, you know. You know and, and the thing about it is they're going to, the way they act might be more volatile because they have no guidance. If you're just letting them interpret what you're doing and there's no, you're not rationalizing it or you're you're not explaining it, not necessarily rationalizing it, but you're not explaining it and giving them, giving it to them in a dose that they can understand, you know, then they're just going to act out and probably not rein in their actions because there's no guidance. Absolutely none. I've been, working with children for a while, youth for a while. And I'll never forget, there's been several different uh, instances since, since, since this first one. There was a young lady who was in high school, and her mother preached and preached and banged over her head, don't come home pregnant, don't come home pregnant. Granted, his mother was a single woman handling her business, and the mother comes home pregnant. So now the child came to me, the child came to me and said, how am I supposed to listen to my mom? She tells me not to do something, and she, and she actually goes out and does it. Mm, and it, wow. it creates a whole different, a whole different respect level that child has for their parent and adults alike, because because they know that that mom, that mama probably said, well, it don't matter, I'm grown. Well, you can't preach about me, you're not gonna uphold yourself. And and so these kids are like, well, if you're not gonna if you're gonna do one thing in the dark and then get mad when it comes to the light, and I, you know, and you tell me don't do it at all, what's the real truth? So we can't, you can't, you can't guide anybody from something you don't believe yourself. So true. And even church, if you, even, I tell parents all the time, don't tell your child to pray. Your child never sees you pray. I mean, what's the what's so, you you blind leading the blind? Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to kind of put you on a spot a little bit. I hope you don't mind. Oh God. Um. One of the, you know, we, we you just mentioned one of the things you just mentioned was, you know, pregnancy and, and unplanned pregnancies and, and all of that. Um, one of the big issues right now is, uh, you know, pro-choice, pro-life. Um, how do we uh, get people to understand? Well, okay, first of all, let me put this out there in my in my opinion. When we talk about pro-life, I think pro-life should be in all of its forms. So how do you get a person who is one way about, let's say, abortion, but another way about the, the death penalty or euthanasia? 
how do mm. you get somebody? You, you know what? I, you understand? You understand what I'm saying, right? You know, yeah, it's all you. about life. It's not just about life at the beginning, and it's not just about life at the end. It's life, you know, all the way through. Right. Yeah. So how does a, uh, how do you get someone? Go ahead, please, please go ahead. Talk to the individual and what they and what they value as what is life. Because some people value life based on how much money you can live, how much money you're making, how you can live. And some people value life just based on um, um, just living. I think a lot of that has to do with aspects of where we actually live in this country, like in the USA, because a lot of these arguments that are going on through our economy and on the news, they don't have these arguments and debates anywhere else in the world. And for us here, because there's always a plan B, C, D, and things of that nature, there's always something they can argue about. You go to other countries, you get pregnant, you're going to have this baby, you're going you're gonna to figure it out. In some places, depending on what you're able to do, it, it really dictates the decisions that you can uh, that you will make. So when it comes down to pro-life and pro-choice, even euthanasia, stuff like that, which is a great question, I think it's pretty much based on how, how people are raised to look at life. Because I know a lot of people are – they say they're on the fence because they say we can't have this baby because we don't have the money. I said, well, you sat down and made this baby, so did you think about that before you got there? And then that's a whole different conversation, if that makes sense. But I love him, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I didn't think. I wasn't thinking. I just love him. <laughs> you right. know what I mean. That, that, it, I know that, and, that's, and that's where it goes. But I think that's such a layered conversation. Yes. I think it's very important that you have a conversation with people who have the same understanding and value of what life is. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm gonna have um, to bring. I'm gonna have to bring you back. We're gonna we're gonna have more than just a ten minute conversation. I'm gonna bring you back for your own show for for one one day oh, this month, if that's okay. Oh, I'm with it. I'm with it. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Minister Neil Jones. Appreciate it. Have a blessed day. Same to you. And don't forget to set the clock back tomorrow. All right. All right. And uh, all right. that's right. Oh, <laughs> thanks for reminding me. Yes. Yes. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Paul Z. Shelton with Warwick Shore Advisors is going to be on. We're talking about the economy, supposed to be the number one election issue this year. This is G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment, and we will be right back. Does it appear the long arm of the law is working against you instead of for you? Whom do you call when the boys in blue are pursuing you? When the wrong person behind bars may end up being you? With over 40 years combined legal expertise, Anderson and Welch bring to bear a smart, sound, sensible defense of those caught in what may be the unrelenting grip of the legal system. Turn to Anderson and Welch first to get ahead of trouble, not fall into it, by calling 561-832-3386. That's 561-832-3386. That's Anderson and Welch Law Firm online at andersonandwelch.com. Good morning. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. And we want to thank again uh, Minister uh, Neil Jones, who is with, he's the youth minister at Macedonian Missionary Baptist Church in Eatonville. 
Lord help my mouth. I can't talk today. We want to welcome back Paul V. Shelton of Warwick Shore. Good morning. How you doing? Good morning. I am doing well. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for coming back. Okay, well, let's for get going. <laughs> Always a pleasure. Let's get going. So, um, it, it appears that uh, uh, we have some relatively good news with concern the jobs. Is that correct? Yeah, so we've we've had some uh some good news, some positive news concerning the jobs data. Um on the surface it may not look as positive, but long term what a lot of people in the market are looking at is the fact that our I should say essentially the outcome of this jobs report kind of leads to potentially a Federal Reserve that's not as aggressive going into twenty twenty three. Um so potentially not pushing the, the conversation of the recession forward as we've been having before. But just to give you some details of the job report that was released this morning, we did see an increase in 261,000 non-farm payroll jobs added to the economy in the month mm-hmm. of October. So that did cause the, the unemployment rate to rise because there was a uh, downward shift in the um, labor force participation rate. So we went from 3.5% mm, okay. To 3.7 percent unemployment, which is uh, which is still considered in our economy in today's time, roughly full employment. Mm-hmm. So it was not a seismic rise in the unemployment rate, and there was um, purely just mathematical reasons why the unemployment rate did did rise. However, we are still seeing at least two jobs for every one applicant out there, so that is still um, providing. Um, some wage inflation in our economy, and it's still, you know, pushing some pressure on employers when they're trying to find employees in that respect. Um, the notable job gains occurred in healthcare, professional and technical services, manufacturing, and, of course, leisure and hospitality, again, was one of the, the major um, sectors of the economy that led the way in jobs. We did see from a wage inflation standpoint, we did see a, a four-tenths of a basis point increase month over month in, in the average salaries and average earnings that we're making as Americans, um, How and it has increased 4.7% year over year. However, that's on the backdrop of inflation that's currently at 8.2%. So we, we're making more money, but we're not keeping up with the pace of inflation right now. Right, uh, and we there's been a couple of, um, I guess, movements recently with workers saying, okay, if you increase by this much, you know, then we can afford to live. Uh, you know, if if Social Security increased recently, and therefore, you know, to keep to, to try to keep up, you should try to you know increase for us to keep up too. But with if they increase, isn't that going to uh, my, my understanding from what I keep getting told, if you increase raises, then that means there's fewer jobs that are available, right? Correct. Yeah, especially if that if that industry or that particular company does not have the resources and the capacity to increase those jobs in tandem or increase those uh, those wages in tandem without hiring uh, or laying off any potential potential staff there. So. It's a it's a yin and a yang. There's something that that has to give uh, there. And what we're seeing now is a lot of employers are trying to become more 
innovative um, in the way that they hire, in the way that they run their operations. Uh, we've been seeing for a long time, um, our, we talked about it for a long time, at least about the, the retail apocalypse where a lot of stores are closing. And we're even seeing another layer that takes place now with the um, employment situation. Typically, you see significant amount of more you know, hiring during this quarter of the year um, for the holiday shopping. And that's just not the case this year in the retail sector. We're actually seeing a decline in the retail sector. That is so true because a lot of people do, you know, if, you know, if they're, like, looking for a few extra dollars for the holidays, a lot of people do pick, try to pick up extra hours, and there's all, they usually can always count on, you know, people hiring for the holidays. And, yeah, that is not – I have not seen that now that you mention it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not there. So it's, uh, it's a – it's not expected to put to create a major drag on the economy. Um, there are, you know, other areas that, you know, some of the work is shifting towards, I should say. But um, mm-hmm. it just, I don't know, it, it kind of takes away some of that feel that I was used to feeling, you know, years ago when you go holiday mm-hmm. shopping or you're walking through the malls and you're seeing the Christmas trees decorated and all those things that are, are going to start to shift away. Yeah, as we shop more and more uh, through e-commerce and through Amazon and things of that nature. But, I mean, e-commerce is, is suffering as well. I mean, I, I would say, just given from my personal experience with my little part-time gig, you know, people are waiting longer on the phone to get someone to speak to. Uh, and then when they get someone to speak to, then it just takes a little longer to process whatever issue that they're having because uh, then I know in my case, then you have to wait. Uh, if I can't resolve it, I have to wait for a supervisor. If there are fewer supervisors or there's you know more customers trying to, to get issues resolved that require a supervisor, it takes longer and you have more Correct. aggravated customers. Um, so, and, you know, so yeah, I'm seeing some of that too. Um, I know that uh, one of my uh, former supervisors is trying to fill a position, um, and they're trying to fill it from from inside. But even the people inside are not necessarily trying to, uh, you know, move to other positions. And some of them are, are looking to to let go of the positions that they have, you know. Mm. So it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Because every time I talk to her, she's like, um, I ha- still have this position, and I'm like, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Nope. Yeah. But anyway, so I want to talk a little bit more about the, um, I guess the thorn in a lot of people's side right now, as far as as far as I'm concerned, anyway, and that's the um, the Fed and this whole interest rate increase thing. Um, What is the rationale? Please explain that rationale because they're saying that they're trying to stabilize the economy, but I think. They are missing, and I think you and I talked about this before, they're missing, I don't think they're rationalizing this properly. I think they're missing some of the human element of this, and that is there are certain items that no matter how expensive you make them, if that person wants them, they're going to buy them regardless. If I really want that house, no matter how expensive it is, if I can afford it, 
or if I'm really willing to uh, scra- scrape and claw, you know, to get it, I'm going to do it anyway. Isn't so? Isn't that not being considered when they're making these decisions with regards to um, hiking the 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 rate? Well, the the whole theory behind you know raising rates is a is a monetary policy, you know. Um, tool that they use to slow down the economy. So on, on the overarching theme, the, the first thought is, how do we slow down this economy that's red hot, um, that's too hot, and it's going to create too much inflation in the future <laughs> that it will potentially cause a spiral downward, a huge deflation in the dollar, and cause our economy to shift in the wrong direction. So typically when you raise rates, <laughs> excuse me, as you're raising rates, um, it affects the short end of the yield curve, which is those three months to two-year treasury rates. And typically, it does it does affect, but not initially, and not as as uh, violently long-term rates such as the 10-year, 20, and 30-year, which typically our mortgage rates are based out of. So the hopes are that if we can raise rates. Um, now on the short end of the curve, things that you know people typically go out and spend for, they'll slow down, such as you know car purchases, such as home purchases, and a lot of those bigger ticket items to cause there to be some some sort of you know price normalization in the economy, which will bring inflation down, bring prices down. We're starting to see some of the prices come down in certain areas. We're seeing actually some house prices are starting to, to come down as well with houses that are listed. Um, if you look at the used car market over the last year and a half, we've seen it explode to extremely high levels, and we, we've now seen that pull back. So it's, some of the things that the interventions that the Federal Reserve is doing is, is currently working, but it's a fine line. The Federal Reserve in its history has never been able to engineer what we call that soft landing, where we just bring back inflation and then everything is back to normal. What typically happens is inflation starts to run, the economy gets really hot, runs for a while, then the Federal Reserve steps in, um, implement monetary policy, and by the time that the implementation lag of monetary policy flows through the economy, it's too late. So what ends up happening is we raise rates, go up really high. We pull back on any monetary spending that the government is doing. Then the economy begins to the flatline, begins to fall. And then it, it's kind of like trying to, you know, you know, slow down a, a cruise ship and make a complete U-turn in, in 20 seconds. And that's essentially what the Federal Reserve is trying to do. They've never been able to complete that and execute it with with any form of grace historically. So that's why a lot of people believe that we will go into a recession in early 2023, early or mid-2023, um, just because we're shooting rates up so high that eventually you will get to that tipping point where rates are just too high and it's going to choke out a lot of, you know, car purchases and a lot of demand and housing and things of that nature. Rates just get too astronomically high, especially when you look at wages. Wages have only grown by 4% over the last year. Um, you've had a, t- a, a two-year interest rate or a two-year treasury note that went from 40 basis points to 4.75% as it is today over the same time frame over a year. 
So you have roughly a U.S. Treasury note that is paying you more than what your employer is paying you. So you'll get to that tipping point eventually where, you know, um, the economic engines that run this country will slow down, all the demand will slow down, and eventually it will cause a a flatline in the economy. Now, the biggest question will be, will the Federal Reserve recognize this before it's too late and intervene by, you know, slowing down some of the rate hikes? Or will they continue Mm -hmm. just to push forward until they see um, until they tangibly see that these rate hikes are working. Typically, rate hikes take anywhere from six to nine months to really fully be digested into the economy. So with us having six rate hikes this year, you can imagine that it's going to take several several years before these, these rate hikes to fully be digested into the economy. So, you know, there's, uh, there's the earthquake that we've created, and then there's some aftershocks that are taking place. But we're going to continue to feel those aftershocks, you know, for a long ways into the future. Now, one of the things they keep saying is one of the, I guess, benefits of a hiked interest rate is the, you know, your money in your savings account, you'll get more interest. Is that enough? Is, will there be enough of uh, increase of interest to, to make a difference? Will that be noticeable? Well, it's not going to plug the gap in what you're not receiving from wages. So as, we, as I mentioned before, that's about a 3.5% gap between uh, wage inflation and um, normal inflation or organic inflation mm-hmm. in the economy. So our paychecks are being outpaced by 3.5%. Um, that yield that you're going to get from your savings, you know, account and things of that nature is not going to be enough to match that, and it's not going to plug that gap. Um, from an investment standpoint, we are seeing higher treasuries or higher yield for risk-free investments. Um, you typically, and it's been several years before since you were able to invest in a in a roughly a a one-year treasury and get over four percent return on it. I have seen CD rates at banks much higher recently as well, uh, which is a good thing for, for investors out there and, and those that have the capital to invest. But for those that are not part of that lens of the investment community that cannot invest or have very little capital or disposable income, this does nothing for them. It's only, you know, creates more of a of a gap of, of between those who have and those who have not. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We are here with Paul V. Shelton of Warwick Shore Advisors. This is G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. By the way, when we come back, if you have questions for Paul, the number is 516-387-1944. G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. Having a wedding, reception, family reunion, planning a banquet, or some other fundraising event. Need to share your knowledge through a workshop or seminar, or it's a difficult time and you need to plan a wake or repast. Let us help. At our gatherings, let us reduce the stress and make the occasion memorable, treasured. Call our gatherings at 407-968-9387 or email ourgatherings at yahoo.com. Let us help plan your special event. 
This is Douglas Dobbs of Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community for 29 years with quality funeral and cremation services. Honoring all religions and faith, we have been here for many grieving families. Whether it's a complete funeral service with a burial or a simple dignified cremation, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here for you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720. Dobbs, dedicated to serving our families. Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. By the way... If you live in Lake County, Florida, tomorrow is the last day that you can do early voting. So Lake County, tomorrow's the last day. There's some others around here, too, where tomorrow is the last day. In Orange County, uh, Sunday is the last day for early voting. So if you haven't voted yet or if you have, let's say, a ballot to get in, now there is still time to get the ballot, the the mail-in ballot in, but you have to, you, you do have time. So what I want to advise everybody is, though, take your time, look up the information, and make sure that you are making the right choice. And for those of you that have voted already, thank you. Go pick up someone that needs a ride and take them. You know, do whatever you can. Um, if you have somebody that needs help in terms of trying to find out information about candidates, help them. You've done your task already. Help somebody else. So in the meantime, we are back with Paul V. Shelton of Warwick Shore Advisors. And uh, so, Paul, um, what else? We, you're back into, at least in Florida, what we consider to be high gas prices because the uh, the sales tax is over. Um, now, I understand that. Uh, they were losing a lot of money implementing this uh, sales tax relief. Uh, how how does that manifest itself? I mean, what things kind of if, – if we cut the taxes, what kind of things get cut in the process, you know? Well, you know, that's a very good question. And, and first off, I want to thank you for highlighting, and uh, you know, the, the election season and providing us with those dates that we're things in. I did get my sticker this morning for voting in my two-year-old. So very happy about that. So I, I support that a lot. Um, but this is your question that you're having right now is, is a conversation that I actually <clears throat> had with uh, with my oldest two kids earlier this week. You know, it was, it was kind of funny because I, I taught them a lesson on taxes. And um, mm-hmm. how I taught them that lesson is their dad loves Reese's Pieces and Snickers. So when they went trick-or-treating, I, um, I, I taught them this is how taxes work. I went into their bag, and I pulled out all the candy that I liked. And I said, <laughs> this is this is the tax that you're getting levied. <laughs> and then I explained it to them. And then the, questions, the question they had was, how do we uh, – what do I get for that? You know, why are you taking that from me? And I said, well – you're getting to live in this house, you're getting AC, you're getting utilities, you're getting food, you're getting luxuries of life, you're getting safety, you're getting security. And I said this is the same things that we lean on when we pay our local, federal, state taxes. We want to have security and have a, you know, a fire department, police department. We want to have schools. We want to make sure that our roads are properly maintained and things of those nature, that nature. So when we do see a pullback and uh, our reduction in revenue that the state is going to receive, potentially those are some of the things that could be 
you know, impact it going into the future. Now, I know, I, I believe it was earlier this year or was it last year that our, our teachers across the state did get a raise. I would hate to see that raise cut or retracted or something, you know, happening to the, the wages that our teachers get. But, you know, when, when we do have um, those shortfalls in revenue, the state has to make up for it in some way by balancing the budget. And oftentimes it does come into those public works and those public services that we that we like um, and that sometimes that we really, really need. So, again, that's, it's one of the things that takes a while to implement through the system before you really see the impact of it. <clears throat> So more than likely be next year sometime. Um, and next year sometime we may even have a, a totally different structure to the state government um, after this upcoming Tuesday. So we don't know officially how these things will change and how they will be implemented. But, you know, those are typically the areas that we, we do see the, the most changes are the immediate changes where it comes to those public works and services. Okay, so I'm going to shift a little bit in terms of the um, upcoming election on Tuesday. And Well, I, sh- we, we, I guess I have to stop being old-fashioned and looking at it into the upcoming election on Tuesday. We're in the election season. We're in the thick of things. You've even, like you said, already got your sticker. You've voted. Um, and um, economics is supposed to be, you know, the key topic in this election. How do you think our current economic issues are going to impact the election, the outcome? Uh, I think it's going to be a decision made, you know, it's going to be like a game time decision. I know they say that often in sports, if a player is injured and expected to play or not play, you know, the individual is a game time decision. I think it's going to be a, a ballot day decision for many people. And it's going to be personal based on how they feel about their own personal wallets, their pocketbooks, and, and how the economy is treating them. Um, we're, we're not in a situation where we, um, we're in, I, I mean, inflation is high. Gas prices are, are still high, but they're, they're managed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in a much more manageable situation today than we were in 2008 and 2009 when it okay. comes to the economy. So I think from that standpoint, um, we won't see voting based on economic uh, outcomes like we did historically. But for those that may be um, having a a rougher time with the economy as it is presently, they will make Mm -hmm. the decision to vote their opinions um, based upon that. I think we are in in a very peculiar place in the maturation of this country, essentially. We are... um, have many voters that are, are stepping up to voice their, voice their opinions on social issues, economic issues, um, and a, a whole gamut of, of different things that seem to be on the ballot now that was historically never on the ballot before when you go back um, decades ago. You know, you, you really didn't vote based on some of the social things that are taking place in the country. I mean, the vote was there based on it, but it was as, as prevalent as it is today. Some can argue that it's a good thing. Some can argue that it's a bad thing. But I think it is important that we understand that um, we are, as Americans, are voicing our opinion based on our beliefs um, and and what we see is moving forward in this country. And um, that vote is going to be very important. And that's something that 
I don't believe many folds out there can can really capture and can really quantify at the end of the day. So, I well, I was just curious in terms of whether or not you can say, let's say, the outcome leans more, I guess you could say, Republican ideology than Democrat or vice versa. What what changes do you see as a result? Well, I think if we if it stays the the status quo, specifically in the, in the state of Florida, um, and um, DeSantis wins, and you know the the Florida Senate and House is is Republican led, I think we will continue to see more of of what we have seen over the last uh, over his his tenure thus far. Mm-hmm. Um, which hasn't been comfortable for, for everyone in the state. But I, I honestly don't think that much will change. I personally, this is my personal beliefs, I, I personally believe that um, this antis is, is making, using today's platform to make his bid for the White House. Um, and all the movements and, and the justice that he's, gonna, that he's going to make are going to be predicated on that, um, that political posturing. Is that the best for the state of Florida? Um, probably not. Is that best for the country? Probably not. But I believe that is what's going to happen. If the state does lean more blue and become, you know, you know, Democratic-led um, from the governorship, I think we'll see a change, <clears throat> a significant change, in a lot of of policies that that are currently in place. Um, I don't think that it'll be as detrimental to the overall economy for the United States. I don't think we're going to go to a point where we're going to implement state taxes and things are going to change. And we're going to, because, you know, the, uh, the, the opponent, Charlie Crist, is, is not, that's not his core and that's not his belief, you know, system when it comes to um, business. What, what I do feel personally is that if Florida does, become a blue state from that rep- from that uh, standpoint. I feel that there mm-hmm. will be more there will be more um, tension. And there will be more anger and frustration, that, you know, and that will arise, you know, not only in the state of Florida but also around this country. And that's something that I've been praying about because, unfortunately, it doesn't seem like politics is really based on. Um, your political belief systems, you know, when it comes to taxes, when it comes to, you know, jobs, when it comes to businesses and, and the, the betterment of a, of a particular region or area is based mm-hmm. on more of if you're white or black. And I believe it's more of a, of a racially driven um, political scenario that we're in right now. And that's very unfortunate. It's, it's, it becomes very, very hard to see the difference between one political party and um, what is just completely, um, you know, racism in, in my thought process, you know, and it's not, it hasn't always been that way. Um, you can look at different, <clears throat> both sides of the aisle, and um, and, can, and you can see some differences. But if you look specifically at the, at the changes in the Republican Party, I would say over the last eight years or so, there's been a, a very big shift away from what the Republican Party was at its core. Um, 
And when you look at people such as Paul Ryan, who has left politics for some of these reasons, you can understand um, that there is a, a big shift that has taken place and, and you know, potentially some of the negative reasons that could continue to come as a result of that. Mm. Wow. So, so forgive me for saying all that. That's my just my personal no, opinion. <laughs> no forgiveness necessary. No, I mean, I, I you know, because I like to get uh, opinions of people who, uh, who you know, you're, you're dealing with stuff and and you're affected by the the outcome of, of the, the the elections and the decisions of the people who, you know, are 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 selected by you know the public. So. I, you know, I'm, I'm glad you were able to, to share that with us. So, so let's see here. Um, let's talk. We haven't talked a little bit. We haven't talked much internationally. There's so much going on, you know, uh, stateside. But uh, Ukraine, uh, Taiwan. Uh, even recently, I was listening to NPR in a way. Uh, back home and was listening to uh, them talk about uh, uh, Ethiopia and, and Tigray and, and uh, you know, and I know there's not a lot of coverage of, of what's going on over there, unfortunately. But anyway, can we talk, can you uh, share a little bit about the impact of these uh, conflicts and potential conflicts? Uh, North Korea, <laughs> that's a whole other situation. Can you talk a little bit yeah, about yeah. the impact for us? Yeah, and that's it's um these are are things that are I should say these are embers that have always been in the forest. So they're they're fires that are were just waiting to be fanned and to blow up to something much larger than what they are. You know, the things that we're seeing overseas with the civil war in Ethiopia. Um we're seeing North Korea has always been a potential threat. They've always, you know, potentially been working on a, you know, somewhat of a nuclear program and trying to reach the U.S. by um, by bomb. And that has not changed. That has been there. That, that's been there for several years, and that's something that we've kept an eye on. Um, so you still have that as a backdrop. Um, unfortunately, that's been overshadowed by the pandemic. It's been overshadowed by local economics, the political season that we're in right now, and also by the um, Russia-Ukraine war. And so, you know, when you look at all that, there there's a, a lot of things that are going on geopolitically. Right now there's a lot of tensions that are arising around the world um, geopolitically in, in, a, in many regions of the world that could potentially, you know, raise threats for us. And at the same time, these countries and surrounding developed and undeveloped countries are going through similar uh, economic situations that we're in right now. And when you look at central banks around the world, you know, they're starting to raise interest rates in tandem the same way that we're doing. I would say the one benefit that we have is we were first to the party to really do so. So when the dust settles, we'll be, you know, the first one to wipe off our shoes to be able to take a step forward and move forward cleanly. But unfortunately, you know, Whenever you have geopolitical tensions, um, it does reverberate and it does, you know, direct us, um, it does affect us directly and indirectly. You know, there's, you know, throughout, you know, the country and throughout the world, I should say, there's many trade embargoes that we have for various countries and various regions. 
then a lot of those are interrupted whenever you have um, these geopolitical events and things that take place. Um, whenever you have disruptions with elections, as we saw that there was a concession in the Israeli election um, earlier this week. I believe it was yesterday, actually, or two days ago. So whenever you have, you know, disruption in politics, we're seeing that in, in Brazil right now, um, where the, the president-elect in Brazil, you know, that's being contested was, you know, convicted of a fraud from stealing, you know, money from the country, but still was elected president. And there's a, there's, there's a lot that's going on in, in our world right now um, that we really need to, you know, be prayerful about and, and pay attention to. Um, and they do have potentially long-term ramifications um, for, for the U.S. Hopefully we don't have to get involved. And hopefully um, trade embargoes are not, you know, disrupted from some of these things. But if you look at it on the surface, uh, there has been uh, a, a vast amount of resources that that we have sent to Ukraine to help them through the war with Russia. And just consider if, if we were able to, if that war wasn't going on, if we were able to re appropriate those to another area, you know, how mm-hmm. could we, you know, better, better serve um, our citizens in the world? So, all right, I'm going to go shallow in, in our last few minutes here. Black Friday this month, okay? Um, uh-huh. Apparently it's not, go- it's not the usual Black Friday. It's more of a season, so to speak, and, and I guess people are, I guess, uh, having sales earlier to test the waters. Is that what's happening? What's going on with Black Friday? Yeah, so we're, we're seeing that November 1st is really starting the whole uh, traditional Black Friday sales kickoff. So you no longer have to wait to the Friday after Thanksgiving to get the best sales or get the best deals, but they're, they're spreading it out. And I believe a part of this is part of the movement of having, you know, more family time around the holidays and not everyone mm-hmm. rushing out, you know, and getting into those fun fisticuffs at Walmart that take place when you grab the last PlayStation in front of somebody else. But oh, uh, really, really driving the whole idea and mantra, of, you know, spending more time with family. I know that uh, I've seen, um, as of November 1st, you know, traditional Black Friday deals on TVs, electronics, on cars, on trucks, and different things of that nature that, that have rolled out. But I, I will say this, that the retail industry is now competing um, this holiday season with the travel and leisure industry, which potentially could be could bode well for our, our local economy. But if you look at retail sales and if you look at spending that's done on airline um, traffic and, and hotels and things of that nature, it is they're starting to lose. You know, there there's a, a large amount of reservations that are being made, and it seems like people are looking forward to having experiences and memories more so than items and things this, this holiday season. And so I, I foresee um, – I foresee the retail industry, you know, really, really taking a back seat overall to travel and leisure as more and more people are, are booking getaways, you know, for the holidays and for the next, over the next two months. 
or so. Okay. So what what kind of, and I know I'm getting an early start, and then we have another month, but just in case. Um, I mean, these are, while we're doing all of this holiday shopping, we do need to look um, at a game plan, um, and probably we'll get more in depth next month with a game plan for uh, 2023. I can't believe I'm saying that. Uh, you know, but um, what types of things should we start uh, to do in order to, or what kind of things, how should we maybe modify our holiday season in order to uh, have, I guess, some sort of cushion while we're entering into 2023? Well, whenever I, I, I speak with my clients, I always tell them, you know, when, when we're planning financially, um, we can we can budget for leisure and we can um, budget for saving. So that's one thing that we should always be cognizant of as we're running into this, this holiday season. And we typically spend a little bit more um, is, you know, as we're spending more, let's that's, that's set that budget. Um, let's be strict to that budget. And let's also set something aside and be, you know, disciplined to what we set aside um, we just don't know what's going to happen. The writing is mm-hmm. on the wall, kind of, that we will see a recession um, in mm-hmm. 2023, but um, it's, it's not guaranteed. But what we do know is that prices will be higher. Wages will not be as high as prices are. And mm-hmm. we're going to have to potentially write it out. So I, I, I you know, do your best to, to, to save now to prepare um, for the famine. You know, and that's that's a principle that we get from the Bible. You know, when mm-hmm. it's time, and that's that's what Joseph, you know, shared. He said, "You're going to have seven years of feast and seven years of famine." So when you have these, the good times, I store something to the side before when the the bad times arrive. And that's what I would recommend for everyone is to be able to um, enjoy your life. Yes, enjoy. Uh, have a budget for that enjoyment, but also have a budget for um, that savings as well to help you through uh, potentially whatever, you know, we will see coming up. I would say from an economic standpoint, the two things that we're really looking out for over the next couple months is to see what happens with inflation. If inflation continues to stay above 8%, um, that's only going to prompt the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates, and that's only going to put more um, downward pressure on, on the economy. If inflation seems like it's going to continue to come down, it was, looks like it peaked around 8.8, 8.7%, I believe. Now it's at 8.2, so it seems like we're in that trajectory where we might begin to recede a little bit in the inflationary prices. Then that may cause the Federal Reserve to say, hey, let's take another look, let's slow down on our interest rate hikes, and let's let the economy you know, and the market engines work their way out of this without providing too much, you know, intervention that could potentially lead us into a recession. Hopefully the latter of those two things is what happens in our economy and it allows us to be able to uh, to have that historic event of a soft landing, which we've never had before. And and then the, the hope is that, you know, we'll be able to go into 2023 without having a recession, but having a much healthier economy. And I'm glad you said because uh, I'm glad you you elaborated because um, at first I you know I was thinking about what you were saying it was kind of like an either or but it's not an either or you just have to to budget and sometimes 
you may have to, you know, you, you do have to budget for the good times and you have to budget for your entertainment and all that kind of stuff. There are some times that that budget is going to be a little less than you'd like, but you still have yeah. to budget for it. Maybe it's, right. um, you know, maybe it's one movie a month or maybe it's, uh, you know, when things are good, maybe it's a vacation. Uh, or yeah. when things are not so good, maybe it's a staycation. Uh, you know, uh, you just, and then you also, I mean, and, and I want to get to the point where they always say that you're supposed to have a certain amount in, in that you've budgeted for in reserve. Um, is it still the six months of, what's it, six months of, of, in, of rent or something like that? Six months worth yeah, of income? So six, what is it? Yeah, of living expenses. So when I, when I look of at living savings, expenses, yeah, full living expenses because you know it, it can vary for for some individuals. Some individuals eat out more than others, you know. So their mm-hmm. their six months will be a little bit higher to accommodate for that um, that leisure. So six months of of living expenses is great to have and in, in liquidity available to you in, in your um, checking or savings account to where you can go grab it and, and spend it today if need be. And so I, mm-hmm. I always recommend that um, it gives you a good foundation. You know, a lot of people say, I, I don't have six months, um, but just Yeah, but, I mean, it, you're not going to get it overnight. You, you, it's going to be, sometimes it's going to be dribs and drabs, and then sometimes it's going to be, oh, I got, I got a bonus, maybe I take the bonus, or maybe I take a portion of the bonus, and I, I save, but, it's, you know, you, you've got to start somewhere. Yeah, and and one point I want to make is, even if you only have two months of, of that, those living expenses in the bank, you don't have to uh, you don't have to shut your life down till you get to six months. You can budget, you can still spend, you can still do some things, but you have to do it in moderation. You have to do it with the mindset of that I my my goal is to save, my goal is to be financially healthy. Um, but as I'm going there, just like if someone is worked, you start a new workout regimen, I'm sure no one, no nutritionist would ever recommend that you go to McDonald's and get some of those good French fries. But every once in a while, <laughs> it's okay to treat yourself because we still yeah. have to enjoy life, too. Um, we still have to be able to to reconcile, um, you know, those dietary demons that we have and, and be able to, to prove that we can have discipline when we need to. So being able mm-hmm. to, to spend on, on something that you that you and your family really desire and enjoy is okay. It is okay. But having that discipline and saying, you know what, this time around we're not going to order pizza this weekend because we just need to, you know, save that 40 50 bucks and put it in a jar. Okay, Paul. Well, uh, thank you, and uh, I'm going to – post his information on the Jesus Power Hour Facebook page, but by now you guys should know how to get in contact with Paul. But um, it, and I was going to ask you, and I'm going to ask you probably, I'm going to give you another couple of months, I'm going to ask you about what's going on at um, Unity. So, but I uh, oh. appreciate you yeah. being on, and thanks for um, and thanks for uh, giving us the lead to uh, Minister Jones. I look forward to speaking more with him, too. You have a good Definitely. weekend, Paul. Thanks, you too. God bless. Take care. God bless. And thank you all for listening. Have a wonderful weekend. Be well, be safe, be blessed. Try to enjoy the weekend so you're not so tense with all this election stuff going on. 
This has been G's Power Hour. I never had it so good entertainment. I am your host, G. And please remember, all real power comes from God. Take care. love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 